Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley here with you. The Blue Jackets are going to be back on the ice on Saturday night when they take on the Seattle Kraken at Nationwide Arena. It's a run of the start of a run of three home games with the Kraken being here on Saturday. Then it's the Vancouver Canucks for a Monday afternoon game. And finally, late next week, the New Jersey Devils will be in town. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk with Nicholas Backstrom, the goaltending coach of the Blue Jackets. Of course, goaltending is always an area of focus, and the Blue Jackets have three guys right now that are rotating in and out of the net, so we'll talk with Nicholas about that. But, Jody, first of all, it's uh, it's kind of funny. So I missed games, and I missed the show the last time you did it. Ever since I've come back, almost every game has gone to overtime. It's been ridiculous. My wife said to me, are they just trying to make up for you? For You missed games, so are they just <laughs> trying to play extra periods and catch up? But um, But when you look at what the Blue Jackets have done since coming back from the Christmas break, yeah, there were only two games that didn't go to overtime. One was the loss to the Boston Bruins. The other one was the loss in Winnipeg the other night. But I've got to ask you, is this, a, is, is this a step? As much as we hate the fact that games get away in the third period, you look at that Minnesota game last Saturday night and how that one got away late and they lost it in overtime, even though we hate all of that, there were times earlier in the season the Blue Jackets were giving up leads in the third and they were getting nothing for it. Now they're at least getting it to the overtime. They're at least guaranteeing themselves one point with a chance to get the second one. And I know it's halfway through the season. I know you're not in the playoff picture, and I, I know all of that is frustrating. But is it progress for this team? You know, it's interesting. Yeah, there's frustration all around this team, of course, because every season we start over and it's a fresh start and there's optimism for every team. And then as the season starts, some teams – aren't established with how they want to play and with their system. And again, this year, with the circumstances coming in, uh, you have Pascal Vincent thrown in late in this process as the head coach, a guy who's watched the organization uh, up close, understands the personnel, but also he is a guy that wants things done a little bit differently. So now he's given the reins to do that. So he has got to implement uh, a defensive zone, which is better, more predictable, harder to play and adjust to to start for some of these players. It's different for Zach Wierenski and how he's had to stand off and wait, and he really established that. And I'm, when I say stand off and wait, in the D zone, they're really protecting the front of the net. So they're giving up the outside of the, of the defensive zone, and that was a tough adjustment. And then you combine a new system, a new coach, uh, with young players who are, who are emerging in the National Hockey League who are thrown into the lineup and, and, and learning how to play on the fly, uh, it, it's been a tough start, plus some players who are underachieving to start. Patrick Laine in and out of the lineup. Johnny Goodrow in and out of the lineup. We're past the halfway point in the season, and when you look at this, you, you can now have a body of work where you can look at and say, okay, there are some non-negotiables, things that every player is expected of uh, has to do every shift, and this team has to play a certain way to win. And, and now that we've seen teams like Winnipeg who doesn't have any superstars but play the ultimate team game with a very good goaltender in Hellebuck, uh, they, they understand that 
they dig into defense, all five guys and their goaltender, understanding that that is where you generate offense. And when you see that team, Shifley gets hit with a puck and he leaves the game but comes out to celebrate the victory with no helmet on at the end after his stitches are done, there's something in that room that has been built, and it's taken a long time. That team underachieved last year, and there's teams that are, are get better like they did by removing some pieces like Wheeler, like Dubois, and adding some depth like Iafalo, uh in that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. And you look at other teams and what they've done and where they're at, it takes time. And, and I hate to, to think that, you know, this team is not progressing, but it is. And it, it takes those young players to figure out. And I think Cole Sillinger is the best example of us seeing a guy come in and scoring 16 goals, getting injured last year, missing training camp, and then coming to camp this year not knowing where he's going to fit in, but under a new coach that rewards players that, that work for everything and do what's asked and take care of the details of the game, which are not making a bad play at the wrong time, are not making it about yourself and your points not coming, and sticking with it, earning power play and penalty kill time due to injury a lot. But now he's established and getting points, and and that's how it works, and that's how players grow. To me, he's taken another big step as an NHL hockey player, and there's no doubt in that. So some of these guys have to grow that way, and then you have Severson and Provorov coming in as new players, and... You know, there's been underachievement levels from some of those guys too, personally. I know Provorov's picking up points, but, you know, the D zone's different. The Everything is different for these guys. So I think as a group we're seeing this team have that relentless play where they take a bite out of the other team, but there's still a part of it where within games, whether it's the save they need or the power play to score or those things that when the season gets tighter, which it will the second half, you have to have the – you have to have your best players playing that best way, but you have to have everyone else on the same page. And I, I think that when you look at Pascal Vincent, and we were just in, like I said, Winnipeg, and you know they wanted to know that tough decision about scratching Patrick Line and benching Johnny Goodrow and all those things. And th- he's establishing a culture here that it's a daily thing, and it takes it takes over half a season to happen. But you're starting to see it come to fruition, and, and for them to stay in the games and. You know, going into Winnipeg, I thought there would be a better showing from this team. They couldn't score a goal, of course, on Hellebuck, but I credit the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you have to, but you look at the opportunities to get when the game is close to score, power play goal, or get on the inside. There's still a little bit of toughness missing when it comes to goal scoring and, and uh, getting on the inside, and that's something that they have to find. Well, some of that will come right back when Boone Jenner gets healthy again because that's what he does, no doubt about it. But I want to go back to Cole Sillinger. That you were talking about. You know, Cole almost got a goal in the first period of that Winnipeg game. Hit the crossbar and then the, the post on the way down off the crossbar. If that one goes in and it gets to a 1-1 game, I'm not saying that you win the game, but I, I think it's a different game. I think that's a, a confidence boost for the Blue Jackets. But Cole was coming off a game where he had a hat trick against the Minnesota Wild, and you talked about it. The goals weren't coming for him, but the work was there for him. And, you know, last year, as you said, he, he went to the American Hockey League. So, yes, when you come in this year – Am I going back to Cleveland? Am I going to be able to win a spot here? Can I keep a spot here? And to his credit, he's just worked his butt off. And uh, in these last couple of weeks, he's shown that, look, he can easily be a middle six center as long as he continues to play as he's playing right now. Yeah, his role is defined. And, you know, if you know what is asked of you and expected of you every day and you know there's a place for you if you do it, 
that you can grow within a system. I don't care where you work. Uh, it's a good feeling. And for Cole, he's done that. And he's established at ground level. This is a guy who they gave every opportunity to this camp. Uh, I say that, but it was fourth line. It was, you know, a situation where he goes down to the American Hockey League last year. And when you look at the urgency of being a National Hockey League player and the appreciation, he's never lost that, but he's always stuck with his game. But I think there was a time where, and I think of this as a player, you go on the ice and you think, okay, I'm going to score a goal or we got to get this going right now. I don't see that in Cole. I see that it's consistent with winning a faceoff, being in the right position defensively, uh, taking pride in penalty kill, taking pride in playing uh, and making players around him better. And when you have that short focus, uh, it, it makes life a lot easier. So to see him have a short focus and work on that and get rewarded is, I mean, that's exactly where you want to be as a professional athlete is uh, that defined role. And I think I talk about it all the time. I mean, my role was very defined and I knew what it was. And if I didn't embrace my role to the max, I wouldn't have been in the, uh, the National Hockey League very long. So the quicker that young players can figure out their role, and th these young guys come in as stars on teams, number one scorer on teams, uh, power play, penalty kill. They're out on the ice all the time, and sometimes it's a little bit of an adjustment when you get to the National Hockey League. Uh, it's a major adjustment because you're playing seven, eight minutes. You're not touching the puck very much. You have no impact on the game. You feel like you know there's more to give and you're not getting it, but when you dial it back and say, make the most of what you got and work on everything else away from the rink, um, you know, you can grow, and that's really what he's done. And it's, uh, it's a great example of what can happen here. The other guy is Roslevic for me. I mean, here's a player that went down and played fourth line right wing, uh, or was it left wing? He played left wing, never played left wing um, in, in, in the National Hockey League on the fourth line. And, but he credited his, I credit his attitude when I talked to him because he said it made me realize that the, there's much more game away from having the puck, where that's a player that always thinks it's the puck. Uh, and Bemstrom's another one where you have to create battles. You have to work to keep the puck in the offensive zone. You can't just wait for your defenseman to keep it in and you get easy ice and score a goal. So all those things within the game that these players are learning, uh, it's because Pascal Vincent has put them in situations where it's like, no, you have to earn to play the right way to play in the top six and get on the power play. Uh, and so... Those, and Jack's not on the power play right now. He's come back from injury, but it's because he's got to earn it. And I think that's something that that's the currency that Pascal Vincent is using very well. And that's why we're seeing these different players play a different game. And, and I think it is helping to, for this team to train in the right way. And Pascal has been very aggressive right from the beginning of the year in trying to create the culture that he wants in that room. When you talk about guys getting put into roles that, they, that are defined and they can operate within. Do you feel in the second half of the season, now Pascal has had enough guys in different positions, maybe he's figured them out a little bit better, That do you think he'll be able to find more fits for more players just like he's found for Cole Sillinger? I shouldn't say he's found that. Like Cole has made it for himself, do you think that he'll find more guys that make roles for themselves in the second half? I would think so. I mean, you think about Pascal Vincent. He's been a head coach in the National Hockey League for 42 games. I mean, that's not a lot of games. And uh, trying to get the most out of every single day, trying to get establish that locker room where they understand him. And at first you're probably like, yeah, this isn't going to last. But now the players are starting to realize, so this is, this is how it's going to be. You know, here we are, what is it, January, mid-January. And, he, you know, he's 
if you're a player in that locker room, you you understand. And, and I think that's the best part. When you're in a locker room where it's not the coach that has to carry the message. It's the player that's on the bench waiting to go on the ice as you get back to the bench and, and you know that you didn't you didn't execute what was asked of you within the system. That player will say it to you. It's not the coach saying, hey, you have to get that puck uh, in this area. You know, you already know you're the first one to know you messed up, but you also let your teammates down. And I think that that's where you establish a really good locker room because uh, you're not hiding from anyone. It's not just waiting for the coach to come in. So th- that's the blueprint of, of how good teams start and how they establish uh, good starts to seasons because when you come back and you're with the Boston Bruins or the Winnipeg Jets or the Vegas Golden Knights, you already know that how you're going to play the game and what's expected within the system and it's up to the coach to establish to make sure that that doesn't stray. And, and that's built in with those established organizations, and that's what they're going to have here. So to answer your question, uh, yeah, 42 games in for a head coach. He's learned a lot, I bet. There's been a lot of times where he's put players in situations, whether it's three-on-three, power play, and, you know, I don't know what he thinks when he's driving home, but I know as a person you sometimes you probably doubt a decision or you learn from it and you take notes and say, okay, that didn't work. We'll try this next time. Uh, whereas other teams that have that automatic power play where you put out McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, it's a little bit different. So the clientele is, um, you know, learning too. When you have young Russians that are on a line together and it works for a few games and then it doesn't, when do you change? Did you wait too late? Uh, all those things that go into head coaching, it's a, it's a learning process for everyone in that room. And as you said, uh, from the player's standpoint, you think maybe this isn't going to last and now you know it is. It, it's easy to go back to when John Tortorella was here and the culture that he established. But this was a guy that that was his brand coming in here. Uh, you knew, like as a player, you he'd already been with other teams. He's won a cup. You know what you're dealing with coming in. It's got to be tough. For, like Pascal Vincent's trying to do the exact same thing, quite frankly. He does it in a different way. He's a little bit more quiet, at least in front of the cameras. Um, it, it's a different temperament, a different approach, if you will. But he wants to get it right back to what it was, the way it was when John Tortorella was here with the accountability and the effort and all, all of that stuff. Um, but it's just easier for an established coach to come in and do that when they've already done it somewhere before, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I mean, you got a, two guys at opposite ends of their coaching careers. So, I mean, it's one thing. I mean, when you're at that spot in your career where um, it's not that you don't care. It's like you care, but you understand – um, it's it's just how it's going to be, and whether and, and for John Tortorella, I mean, he's in a unique spot where the Flyers have no identity. Identity. Uh, he's working with Keith Jones and Danny Briere, the general manager and the president, to establish a locker room and a presence in an organization. Uh, and he's in great conversation with them about clientele and how things work. And now he's got it how he wants. And I credit Pascal for having the cachet that he does because. You know, there's other teams watching, and he's going to be a long, coach a long time in the National Hockey League, and he's establishing what he is. And before these first 42 games, people really don't know. Like, what kind of coach is he? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think young in your career, it's easy uh, to not be as authoritative as as uh, Pascal Vincent is. And it, it's something that's not easy to do. And, and for him to watch and learn, and he's been coaching for 30 years, so uh, he's obviously learned something along the way. But I would agree that, you know, Torch is in a different spot where there, it's more of a, uh, 
you know, I'm going to do it this way, like it or not. And uh, he'll, the consequences really, he doesn't matter to him. Whereas Pascal, there's probably a little bit of his conscience where it's like, you know, I have to be careful in this situation and not saying Torch doesn't do that, but I think there's, there's a balance that he's holding very, very well here with this young group. Well, coming up next, we're going to be joined by Nicholas Backstrom, who is the goaltending coach of the Blue Jackets. Right now, they've got three guys in the National Hockey League. It's not ideal. Two nets, three goalies. We'll talk to him about that and much more as the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Well, don't forget to set your alarm early for afternoon action as the Blue Jackets take on the Vancouver Canucks on Monday at 1 o'clock. Come out early. Check out the United Hockey Mobile Museum starting at 11 a.m. across from Tim Hortons. And it is all part of Hockey is for Everyone, presented by Voris. Get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com slash on sale. Welcome back here to the Inside Edge. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley with you. We're joined right now by Nicholas Backstrom, who is the goaltending coach for the Blue Jackets. And, Nick, this is your first year in taking this role with the Blue Jackets and being here, being with the team day in and day out. You had been with the organization over in Europe. Uh, what's it been like for you to be here every day dealing with, I can't even say two goalies, it's three goalies, it's four goalies this year. Um, what's it been like for you to make the adjustment to this job? Uh, it's been fun. You know, it's uh, it's a lot of new things. You, you learn every day a lot of things. You, you try to improve every day. Uh, first of all, it's been it's been great for our family uh, to move here. It's a great place to live. Uh, it's a great place to live your fa- uh, raise your kids. So... Uh, for me, that's the most important thing how my family are doing, and the kids love it here. My wife loves it here, so that's really important. But it, it, it's been fun. It's, it's it's a challenge every day. It's fun to come to the rink. It's great to be part of the team. You know, you get the feelings after a win, and then, uh, you know, you get those feelings after losses that that you want to be better, you want to to improve and uh, and help, help your teammates, help the players. And uh, it's been interesting. It's been... I haven't regretted it for a second. It's it's been it's been going fast, uh, trying to learn on the fly. But uh, you know, it's for sure big deal too with who you work. Uh, it's a great place to come to work every day and get to work with these players and coaches. When you were over in Europe, because there are only so many goalies in the system, were you doing a lot of scouting when you were over there too? Yeah, it was most scouting. Uh, <clears throat> my first year, uh, Daniel was playing in Finland. So back then, uh, it was a lot with Daniel, how he played, where he played, his practice. But after that, it was a lot of scouting and uh, watching watching young kids, uh, watching pro players, uh, pro, pro goalies. Uh, so it was a lot of travel and uh, a lot of time being by yourself on the road. But it's uh, a lot. most of it was scouting. And then, then we drafted uh, Sergei Vano a couple of summers ago. So then it was more following him too. So, um, yeah, talking about that, uh, being by yourself all the time, <laughs> you, you just talked about being a part of a team again. That is a nice feeling, isn't it? Because it's great to be in the game. It's great to have a job. But when you spent, you spent a lot of time in the NHL and you, you're always with a team. You're always traveling with other guys. And all of a sudden, here you are going scouting all by yourself. It's a weird feeling. It's uh, You grow up as a team player. I played soccer and hockey, so you always team and you enjoy uh, the wins with the team. Uh, try to get better as a team when you lose so that's a feeling I didn't realize how much much I missed it to be part of the team uh, when you scout it's great too but you sit in your car by yourself you fly by yourself then you go to the rink and then there's a lot of people you play with or played against or get to know along the way that you see at the ring that's fun but then you leave the game and 
it didn't matter if you won or lost or what was scoring again. But most of the time, you didn't even know what the score was. You could leave early if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, you're just watching the player while you try to see what happens in the last minute. That's usually <laughs> when the winners comes out. But you leave the game and uh, no feeling. So it, it's great to be a part of the team. Well, you're a good scout then because I know as a radio guy, when I was in the American Hockey League, uh, the scouts used to tell me all the time that my listeners would go up tremendously second half of the third period because those guys were in their cars yeah. and they were listening <laughs> as far as the signal would carry as they were going home. Nick, I- I'm wondering now, what's the role of the goalie coach? Like, how do you watch a game? Do you know what I mean? Are you just watching the goalie? Or are you involved also in, like, how the team is playing in front of them? I mean, there might, has to be so much to that, isn't there? There's there's a lot of things, and uh, I miss a lot of things during the game, what the goalie is doing, so that's usually, uh, I watch the video for sure. During the game, you try to focus on your guy, your goalie, but you have to scout the other team's goalie too. And uh, uh, as a goalie, you know there's a lot of things that happens in front of you that you can't control, but are going to affect the outcome of the goalie's game. So you you watch that too. But for me, uh, I think it's the whole thing during the game, but then the next day or that evening when you watch the game again from video, you focus on your goalie and try to see the things he did right and the things we could improve on. Is this a role that you've always wanted to be in? Uh, maybe later on I started to, when I stopped playing, when I was playing, I, I felt that probably not hockey after I'm done, but then suddenly you realize how great the game is and uh, and really if you're fortunate to be part of the game still. And uh, no scouting, I started to f- get the feeling, you know, I want to be part, maybe more involved. And uh, being part of the team, I think you can be more involved at the day-to-day and uh, and get those. You miss those feelings, like uh, when you win or even losses, like you, you hate to lose, but it, it takes out those things that you really care. Yeah, you were, you're from Finland. You weren't drafted? Nope. So what's your story? How did that work out? How did you get to the National Hockey League with the Minnesota Wild? Uh, I was actually 28 years old when I got to Minnesota, and uh, I played in Finland. I uh, never drafted, uh, probably not good enough. Or them bad scouts at that day, or but, bad teams in front of you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I got uh, I got to play with some great players uh, in a good league and a great team in in Finland. We had some success, and usually you know how it goes when a team has success, then individuals have success too. And uh, I think I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. And then you know it's timing too. Minnesota needed a goalie, and uh, for me it worked out well. If I would have got to NHL earlier, I don't think I would be ready. At that point, I, I played a lot of hockey, seen a lot of different things, good good seasons, bad seasons, and uh, I think I could handle different situations. And then it was just to to get the opportunity. So my first actual draft was a couple of summers ago in Montreal. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. And then you played for Jacques Lemaire. Yes. And so what was that like as a goalie? Because he seems to, his persona is very defensive-minded, very structured. How was that for you? I mean, was it, it must have been fascinating to play for such a, a great Yeah, it, it's great. I think uh, players and goalies who ever played for him, uh, you know, they really appreciate it. Uh, back then, you know, he's hard on you, demanding, but he wants the best for his player. He really cares about his players. And you even ask him today, I think he would know what most of his players are doing. And uh, he got the best out of his players. But uh, I really enjoyed it. Looking back on that, I think, the only thing I regret, I didn't write down notes. I think there could have been so many lessons to learn, how to coach, how to treat people, how to approach a game. And, uh, you know, 
he he knew exactly what's going on in practice. He could come up to me after uh, practice and ask, so that third two-on-one, why were you so deep in the net? Like he had control of everything on what happened on the ice. That's incredible yeah. for a head coach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but that's uh, it's funny you said you, you wish you took notes because I remember playing, being a player, Bob, and, and doing drills and thinking, oh, I'll never forget these drills. And now I can't remember. I mean, I can remember a few drills that I used to love. But, I mean, and the goalie coach era, you had a goalie coach your entire career, right, in the National Hockey yeah. League? Yeah. So you kind of got the beginning of that maybe? I think so. Uh, yeah, I had Bob Mason in Minnesota. He, he's been there from the first years in Minnesota. But we, when I was there my last maybe year or two, we got a goalie coach, part-time goalie coach in, in the minor league. But back home in Finland, I had a goalie coach on my team since I was seven years old. So that's, that's part of the deal there. But it's it's been improving a lot. It's a fascinating position. I know your son played goalie, Bob. So you're the goalie parent, which is hard. But like, we don't understand that position even cl- anything close to what it is and what it takes to be a goaltender and the and the depth of it. How important is that? Like looking back at your goalie coach, is that still a great relationship? Yeah, it's still. Uh, we we talk uh, at least monthly, and uh, I think it's. As a head coach, I think it's a little different. You have to have a little different approach. You can't really get that close to all the players. But as a goalie, you, you only have a few guys, two, three, four guys, and you can get close to them. And uh, a lot of times, looking back, maybe the best goalie practices I had when we went out on the ice, we could be out there for 40 minutes, and uh, 30 minutes were just talking about life and different things, and 10 minutes working. And sometimes, like goalie, goaltending is a lot of mental, and you have to be mental fresh to to be able to handle the pressure and to be able to stay focused and ready so it, it's a different position and uh but that goes back to I should take more notes back then. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you you talked about Danny who obviously is Daniel Tarasov for the Blue Jackets you've seen him a long time in his career uh he seems like a really laid back guy as well is that part of his uh his excellence, he seems like, I mean, he's big. We don't know. I, he looks like a good goalie to me. And people say he's a good goalie, but is that a big part of his makeup? Yeah, it's his personality. He's, uh, he's laid back, like quiet, uh, a little bit, maybe a little bit shy, but he, he got good humor too. Like when you get to know him and uh, he, he, you have to be ready with him. He got some uh, good chirps there, but it's uh, he's, a, he, he's a quiet kid, focused, uh, really you know, paying attention to details, and uh, he loves the game. We were talking with goalie coach Nicholas Backstrom of the Blue Jackets. You were talking about the fact you didn't get into the National Hockey League until you were 28 years old. That really used to be kind of the norm, that goalies wouldn't be ready until they were 27, 28, older guys with a lot of experience. Now they're breaking in at 21, 22, sometimes even less than that. Um, and I know a lot of it is, you know, salary cap and structure and trying to get your – your money's worth out of guys, but um, are guys ready earlier now, or or is it just uh, the fact of what I said? Is it you're just trying to make the most out of what you got? I think it's it's a good question. I think it's probably both. I think you see it with the players too, but the coaching is different than when it was. When I was younger, like you, you skated four times a week, nothing off ice. You do your off ice in the summer, and then you start on the ice in August. Now it's different. It's uh, it's a year year round. They got all these coaches, personal coaches, fitness coaches. Uh, so it's for sure they're more ready. But then, you, especially in goaltending, I don't think 
I don't think you should miss steps. You have to take every step. You you need ice time as a goalie. It's hard to to get that because only one guy can play. And uh, you always talk about the 200 game rule for goalies. You need to get to the 200 games to see where they are, and it takes time. And uh, you need patience. And everyone know knows how important the goaltending is for the outcome of the game. So you know you have to find the right spot for the goalies to get their game. I have a question for you that Jody and I have wondered about and debated about for a long time. And this is about European goalies in their catching glove. Because some guys, some guys seem like they use their glove as a second blocker. <laughs> some guys seem like they struggle in catching the puck. And I'm not even talking about the guys that you have here right now, just in general. And then there are North American guys that sometimes make it look a lot easier. Now, there, there, I've talked to some guys before that have said that a lot of North Americans obviously played baseball when they were growing up, so they're, you know, they they were catching with that hand anyway. And in Europe, baseball is uh, well almost non-existent, right? So, does that have anything to do with any of that, or am I just making this all up? Uh, for sure, I think uh, just the other day I talked. Uh, about goaltending and scouting about goaltenders and uh, we talked about a lot about you could probably see you put 20 goalies out on the ice and you don't know where they're coming from but pretty soon you could sort of come out are they from North America Sweden Finland Russia wherever uh, for sure what you do off the ice it, it has a lot uh, Antony Emi who used to play for Chicago San Jose he had uh, one of his gloves at home and he threw a ball against the wall the whole night when he was watching, moving, catching. Pekarinne, uh, he played. Uh, uh, it's hard to, for you guys probably to pronounce. Pesapalo, it's a Finnish version of uh, baseball. So he played that a lot when he was younger. So his glove has, and was really good. But I think it's too, from the culture you come come from, uh, goaltending culture. Uh, that's where, where we try to be goaltenders, to have active gloves, to... If you have a good glove that's active, your rebound control is going to be a lot better. So it's it's really it's a key part of the game. And uh, goal is when they break in new gear. Usually, if the glove feels good, all the rest feels good too. So that's how it goes. Let's talk about the goalies that you have here because when we're talking about a glove hand. To me, Jet Greaves above and beyond when it comes to to the way that he catches pucks and, and controls things with that glove. Yeah, it's it's been really impressive. Uh, a great kid, unreal kid, and uh, the passion for the game, how he approached the game and prepared himself, having a great season, taking those steps. And uh, you can see his glove hand, it's uh, it's active, but he's ready for the shot. And we, we want the goalies to have quiet hands before the shot because when you move things, it's harder to control. When your glove is steady and ready, then usually it's easier, easier to catch the puck. But, uh, you know, he's been taking huge strides this year. Speaking of Jet Greaves, he was named an all-star in the American Hockey League. We saw him play a game earlier this year, saw him make his NHL debut in Toronto last year. Is this guy quietly working into working himself into the conversation? I know you've got a crowded room right now. You've got Elvis here. You've got Daniil here. You've got Spencer Martin here as well. But is Jet Greaves, he's got to be opening eyes in the organization. And where do you see him like, can he be a starting goaltender in the NHL, a backup goaltender? Is it not fair to label a guy? But he looks like he can play in this league on a regular basis. Do you agree that he's heading that way? Yeah, I think he proved uh, already he had a great training camp. It's uh, I think we we're in a good position. Like uh, we have, like you said, Elvis here playing really well. Daniel coming back from a long injury. Spencer being giving us really good games. So Jet has proved since then, 
training camp that he, he can play at this level. Played really great a couple games he played here. Showed in AHL, I think, for young goalies, it takes time to be consistent. He has proved this year that he can be really consistent. It's uh, night in, night out, he plays at his top level, and uh, it still it takes time. It's uh, really important for him to get the games now under his belt to see how you can handle good games, how you can handle things when they don't go your way. And uh, he's growing, and he's growing fast. So, Nick, you're uh, with Elvis Merzlikens. He looks different this year. Is there anything that you notice uh, with him? I know you've watched him from afar, but now he looks calmer in the net at times, uh, quieter. Is, would that be a, a fair assessment? Yeah, and uh, give a lot of credit to him. He really worked hard this summer to be physically ready for the season, and uh, that's what he wanted to play. Uh, we talked about his game from last year, and he wanted to be more quiet. He didn't want to be all over the place. He wanted to trust more his positioning and uh, he's you know it's it's his strength he's really athletic but when you're that athletic sometimes you use it too much because you you get away I was really slow so I couldn't use it I had to be in right spot all the time but he's so quick fast so for him for us it's it's maybe weird to say say down try to slow it slow his game down let the puck come to you instead of chasing the puck and he's been He's been doing a really good job in that, and he, he was ready to come into the camp and uh, with a great mindset. That's interesting because for players, we always say the assessment that the game slows down for them. You know, you, you see things, you think you're always rushed when you get the puck, but you actually have more time than you think. That's probably a maturity thing, is it, for Elvis and, and all goalies? It is, and uh, it's a confidence thing too, and uh, when you feel confident, you know the puck is going to hit you in the chest. It's, it doesn't look probably... Well, it's a good save, and it's a great save for the goal when the puck hits your chest, but when you're watching the game, you think it's just a normal save, but when the puck hits your chest, you've done everything right before the shot to prepare for the shot, and uh, it sounds maybe boring, but the, sometimes you make the game look a lot easier than it is, and in, most of the time, goalies don't get credited for that, but it's it's like you say, when you're on your game, the game is slow, and uh, you know you're in the right position. And that's probably hard with Elvis, or probably was a tough, not hard, but it was probably a, a conversation that was a challenge because it seems like he loves to make that big, spectacular um, highlight reel save. Yeah, everyone does that for sure. You have your highlight goals like we saw <laughs> back here a couple months ago. That's right, that's right. <laughs> no, he's yeah, good one on it's, that. It's, yeah, it's, then I think too, you know, it's easier on your body too when you're in the right position and... Uh, we're not talking about a week or two weeks or a month. We're talking, we want our goal is to play when they're f still 40. So how we, can you save your body? It's when you don't have to make those uh, highlight real saves when you're in the right position and a puck hits you. And uh, it, for sure, it's, uh, you dream about those big saves, but uh, puck that hits your chest, it's worth the same thing. Yeah, it stinks for the uh, guys trying to score. I know that. We, we have an alumni skate, and Nick's still got it. Tough to score on him. I know we're all a little bit out of shape, but you're still you're quicker than Dave. <laughs> I really not, you, not you though. I really appreciate that you said just a little bit. It, it's, it's funny when you still got the game in your head, but then you put the gear on at the wall. Uh, no, isn't that crazy? And I was saying we joke about it. I saw last year someone uh, videotaped us skating, and you know, like you think you're flying out there and things are moving fast. We were so, so we looked so bad. Not you weren't out there yet, but. 
Us and the guys that were out there, it's slow. I had, when I played, I hated to watch a video with my goalie coach because in my mind I had that I'm lighting fast, I'm that athletic. Then I see the way that I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> hey, the way you see yourself is what counts the most. Yeah. yeah. I got to ask you one more thing here. With the three goalies that you have right now, is that difficult? Because, it, you know, the saying always is, well, there's only two nets. And you're trying to get guys into practice. You're trying to get guys into games. You're trying to be, uh, you guys are trying to, to build this rotation. But that sounds nice. But is it difficult to deal with? Yeah, there's two nets in a practice and one net in a game. So uh, I feel 82 games, uh, you know, for two goalies, that's maybe not enough. But uh, you, you look at our goalies, they deserve to be here. They show that they can play really good and great guys work hard. Uh, they love each other, uh, help each other, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's something we work on every day. And uh, their approach to to it have been really great. I know it's not. I've been in that situation. I know it's not perfect, but uh, you, you you do what you can control. And uh, for us, it's every day to try to make sure we're ready when you get the chance to play and be there for our teammates. It's uh, you know, it's uh, it's a mental thing too for for us. Uh, as a coaches, we have to make sure they get enough work in the practice. But then uh, mentally, you have to be sharp when you get when it's your turn to play. It's uh, you have to be ready. It's always easier when you know that you're going to play night in and night out. But that those days doesn't really happen that more and more, more anymore in NHL when you have a goalie playing 70 plus games. How how does it work? Uh, you bring the information to Pascal Vincent, the head coach, and then he decides who plays. Yeah, it's a teamwork. Usually we sit uh, around the table and uh, talk about the lineup, and then I give the rest of the coaches my ideas or how I look at things, and then uh, then we s decide together. So Elvis has been, well, he's in the rotation, but he hasn't been in the last couple of games. He's been practicing, working on things. Uh, and I know part of that is because you guys wanted Daniil Tarasov to get some repetition and start to build because he missed so much time this year. But do you look to work Elvis back in there soon? Yeah, it's for sure. It's it's hard to sit out. Uh, all the players, goal is to you know they're pride. They, they, they're proud about themselves, how good they are, and they everyone deserves to play. And uh, uh, for us, is to keep them ready. And like you said, for us, it's been now. Daniel is coming back. He was out for eight plus months. So and young kids, we have to see how he is handling things, how how he can do, and uh, know the schedule final was at that point we could do it but uh you know elvis been working really hard i've been really proud of his attitude every day you know he's been great to his teammates and uh, working hard on the ice and making sure he's ready when he gets his chance well nick thank you so much for joining us we really do appreciate it great to get the goaltending perspective because we don't get it very often and and we just guess and we're wrong most of the time so thank you for coming on and straightening us out about it all and uh, it's great to have you here so Best of luck. Enjoy the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That is Nicholas Baxter, goaltending coach of the Blue Jackets. Stay tuned. Jody and I will come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. Well, you can kickstart the new year with the annual Fifth Line 5K presented by Ohio Health. Register now and take advantage of discounted pricing until February the 10th. You get two game tickets, a Blue Jackets branded race shirt, and a shiny new medal. Register by going to bluejackets.com slash 5K. Ready to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge. Jody here, we usually talk about what's going on in the National Hockey League. And without question, the biggest story in the league has been Cutter Gauthier refusing to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. He was just drafted two summers ago by Philadelphia. Didn't want to play there. 
told them, don't want to play here. And so Danny Briere, the general manager, was able to work out a deal with the Anaheim Ducks, and he traded the guy before before they ever signed him to a contract. And the people in Philly are obviously raving mad. <laughs> but I want to talk about the organization itself and Keith Jones, the new president there, Daniel Briere, the new GM there, John Tortorella coaching there and, and being part of that uh, that trio. They have him actually involved in uh, player personnel decisions there too. They all came out as a united front with a message. If you don't want to play in Philadelphia, we don't want you. So they got him somewhere else. They got Jamie Drysdale in the trade from the Anaheim Ducks. They bring him over. He's a right shot defenseman that they're they're high on. They think that he can help him or help them out a lot with their team. But uh, it was a rather unusual situation. You don't often see those guys saying, "Nah, I don't want to play for you," and getting traded before they're ever under contract. However, he is a college player, so the other route that he could have taken, and we saw this with Mike Riley here a couple of years ago, just go and play your college career and then never sign and wind up being a free agent and you can sign with anybody anyway. So at least the Flyers read the room early and they made a deal and they got a player in return. Yeah, I like the way they reacted. I mean, you know, they didn't wait to drag it out and hope to entice him into the organization. Uh, valuable prospect. They did a great, I mean, he tore up the World Juniors with USA. They won the gold, they uh, they did a great showing and won the gold medal there. And when you think about that young player and that situation, uh, you know, he, he made his decision that he didn't want to come to development camp in the summer. They couldn't get in contact with him in the World Juniors, so they reacted. Uh, and I like the way they, that organization stuck together. I mean, they were all, well, I mean, Scott Hartnell does the broadcast. He, he had a message. Uh, Keith Jones, the president, Danny Briere, they all said the same thing. And they reacted and got what they thought was the most out of it, and they kept it quiet. And, you know, for Philadelphia, that team, uh, the past couple of years on the ice, did not have an identity. And if there's one thing that the Philadelphia Flyers hung their hat on, it was having an identity. And it's not only them, it's their fan base. They expect a tough, hardworking, in-your-face style of, of hockey. And as a player going in there, you always knew it was going to be a long night with Philadelphia and their fans. And that organization now is establishing that, that again with all the work of everybody there. And, you know, there's a lot of pride. I've been on both sides of those, those that fan base. They're extremely proud of, of being from Philadelphia and being a fan of their team, whether it's the Eagles uh, or, or the Flyers. Uh, they understand that, that that's their team and don't cross them. So they've already reacted. Uh, some of them have overreacted maybe a little bit. But, you know, that's just I, – I, I like the way it was handled on, on both sides. I mean, um, for, for the – I mean, for the Flyers especially because it, it shows a cohesive organization that – came out and said because it's shocking that they traded this player so they had to address why like what is going on so they did say uh and you know the kid's going to feel it when he comes to philadelphia next year and plays against the flyers of course but uh good thing he'll be wearing a helmet he'll be only one time uh but you know it's it's good of the, of the organization to do that and they picked up a great prospect and, and a second round pick drysdale's a good player he got an assist last night of the power play they got the win uh against the montreal canadians so Interesting, though, that that's the main storyline in the NHL because when you do see a blue-chip prospect like that get traded, both those guys, Drysdale hasn't been healthy for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, you look at the forwards they have now out there, those young prospects, it's pretty impressive uh, what they've done. So 
I I was just uh, I like the way that the young GM and the president handled that situation. It looks like the Ducks are overstocked with young forwards. Yeah, quite honestly, they they've, they've got Carlson. I mean, he's remarkable. Yeah, Zegris, McTavish. Yeah, and now they've got Cutter Goche. Um, so yeah, they look they, they've got they've got that's four of a top. They all want to be in the top six. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And. The word is there were like 18 teams that were involved. Everybody was tight-lipped about it, right? Yeah. Nobody talked. That was That's another amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody talked about it. And then all of a sudden it happened. But 18 teams, and I, and I wonder if the Blue Jackets were one of those 18 teams. And I wonder that because when Cutter Gauthier got drafted, remember, it was right before the Blue Jackets picked David Yurichek. And had Gauthier fallen one more spot, he was coming here. Uh, they really liked him. Don't I'm sure they were. Him. I'm yeah. sure they were. This is, a, I mean, this is a, don't think that they're, I mean, this Blue Jackets organization is looking to get better every single day. So when something like that pops up, no question, uh, I would say, I don't know, but I would say they were in on that. You don't know and nobody's ever going to say. Because no. now it's a done deal <laughs> and nobody wants to uh, be involved in it whatsoever. So so that's going on. Let's talk about the upcoming teams here for the Blue Jackets. you got Seattle. They're going to be here on Saturday. They're in the midst of a winning streak right now. And then on Monday, Vancouver comes in. Lo and behold, how about this team under Rick Tockett um, climbing up into the upper echelon of points in the National Hockey League? Uh, and then to round out the three-game homestand, you got Jersey later next week. So this this is not going to be an easy three-game stretch by any means. No, and, and Rick Tockett's done a phenomenal job with Adam Foote, Sergey Gonchar. Uh, you know, they've established how things have to be. A lot of talent out there. A locker room that was a little bit in disarray. They've straightened it all out. Their goaltending is is good. Uh, they just swept the whole New York area, won all three games there. So this team is rolling, and they're a high-octane, hardworking um, team. So they're going to be fun to watch. And how about the Kraken? You, know, you talk about, you look at seasons, and everyone talks about, oh, you know, they've fallen off, they're disappointing. They waited. Uh, they stuck with their game plan, and now they're right there. I mean, they're tied. They're on the outside of the wild card right now, but they're tied in points. Uh, in the West for being, they're, they're in the race. They're, they're, they're a team that is expecting to be back in the playoffs. So um, it's amazing the first 20 games, the, some of the overreaction because, you know, yeah, you're six points back. It's been a disappointing, oh, you're eight points back. It's disappointing. You get on a little bit of a run and teams fall off a little bit like they do. Uh, you look at even like Pittsburgh, they're up and down and all around all season long. And they're a team that has so much talent, you think they'll figure it out. Um but the, the Seattle Kraken are right there, and it's impressive. They're getting good, good goaltending again. Uh, they, they have their confidence back. Uh, and that's a team that has to have all their pieces going to, to have success. And it's a great example of a team that's playing together. I love how they build it. They didn't try to do what Vegas did and come right. in and go to the Stanley Cup final in year one. Ron Francis was more patient. They get to year two, and then they have a good playoff run, and they get that experience. Oliver Bjorkstrand will be coming back here. He was named an All-Star by Seattle. And before we close this out, speaking of All-Star, we didn't talk about this earlier in the show, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up to you. Boone Jenner being named as an All-Star, first time in his career, and he's such a hard worker. I think we take him for granted because we see him play each and every day, but what an honor it is for him to get named to the NHL All-Star game, a game that's going to be played near his home. It's going to be in Toronto. That's fantastic. Boone Jenner's a guy we've watched grow up. He's the captain. He's earned every single point. Everything he's done, he's earned through hard work. Uh, and he's a guy we're so proud of here in Columbus and uh, couldn't say more or couldn't be more ecstatic for him 
to be named as an all-star. It's a tremendous honor uh, for him to get named that. I can't imagine how excited he is in his family. I know he's a big family guy. A lot of good things happening for Boone Jenner in his life, and he's earned everything he's got. So congratulations to him in going to Toronto representing the Columbus Blue Jackets as that. What's going to be fun to watch for me is it's a three-on-three, three, right? Yeah. Now, you know what his role usually is here in three-on-three. Three. Win the face-off, get off the ice. He's going to get a chance to play yeah. in a three-on-three. Three. And when he gets the chance to play, he's going to get to look to his right and to his left or where you know, maybe he plays a wing. doesn't matter. Everywhere he looks, there's going to be talented guys around him. Yeah, I know. It's going to be... Yeah, it's going to be fun. He's going to probably be a little nervous, but uh, I'm sure he'll settle in and have a great time there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So congratulations to Boone Jenner, who, by the way, is back skating with the Blue Jackets now in the full cage after having the broken jaw and hopefully going to be uh, returning to action. I know he wants to get a couple of games in before he goes to that All-Star game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe not. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe he doesn't. But broken jaw is a tough one to come back from because, you know, he's – Hasn't had a solid meal in a while, yes. so once he gets that wire off, uh, he'll probably ease his way into that. But, hey, I don't think an all-star game is a bad way to come back. You know, no. Kind of ease your way in, dangle out there. I just hope he doesn't lose his game when he comes back <laughs> with the Blue Jackets, be toe-dragging and doing all the fancy stuff. I just – he won't be dumping the puck in, that's for sure. No, no, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. So, once again, congratulations to Boone for the upcoming All-Star Game. Again, the schedule for the Blue Jackets. Uh, Seattle is here on Saturday night. That's a 7 o'clock game. And don't forget, Monday, Martin Luther King Day. So it's a holiday for many. 1 o'clock face-off at Nationwide Arena, the Blue Jackets and the Vancouver Canucks on Monday. So don't forget that. Don't show up at 6 o'clock because we'll be long gone. Home, eating dinner, it'll be over. So make sure you're here in the afternoon for a little matinee at Nationwide Arena. Thanks to Nicholas Backstrom, the Blue Jackets goaltending coach, for being our guest tonight. That's going to do it for this edition of the Inside Edge. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot. Thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.